The scripture this morning is Matthew 8, 1 to 13. When Jesus had come down from the mountain, great crowds followed him, and there was a leper who came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you choose, you can make me clean. He stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I do choose, be made clean. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Then Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. When he entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, appealing to him and saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, in terrible distress. And he said to him, I will come and cure him. The centurion answered, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only speak the word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority with soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my slave, do this, and the slave does it. When Jesus heard him, he was amazed and said to those who followed him, Truly, I tell you, in no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and will eat with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the heirs of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you according to your faith. And the servant was healed in that hour. I'm glad to see everybody here. I'm glad that you all uh, come and chose to be in a place where we celebrate love. We celebrate, you know, church. Uh, sometimes church is a very serious thing and a very, you know, you, you got to kind of march in a straight line. And we, we just kind of feel that church is just kind of a relaxed thing. And it's supposed to be a fun thing. Remember that we celebrate the good news. It's called the good news for a reason. And that means that Jesus is love and we should be loving and caring for each other, and that's what we are. But I really want to complain a little bit about flying for the first part right now. Who, who, yeah, I just go on to something else. So um, who likes to fly here? Show of hands. Okay, <laughs> you guys are stupid. Um, but I, I don't like to fly. I've never been crazy about it. I don't like to go into the air um, I don't like the fact that when you, like the last flight that I was on, you, you sit there crowded and then the, the person comes with that cart in the middle of the thing, you know, and they break out a Coke, a can of Coke, and you think you're going to get the whole Coke. You don't get the whole Coke. They don't trust you with an entire Coke to yourself. You have to share it with like nine other people. You get a drink of Coke and that's about it. And the tickets cost you $800. Why are you only, shouldn't you get a Coke? Thank you very much. That's all, that's all that I had. It has nothing to do with anything. I was, uh, when I was in my 20s, a friend of mine started to take pilot lessons. And he, when you take pilot lessons, you start out in a, in a plane this size. It's like the size of a, of a Chevette, you know, like a Toyota, like a two-seater, you know, or, or like one of those minis, you know, or any car that you would see. In, in England, you know, in the old movies. And it's, it's when, okay, he was taking these flying lessons, and he wanted to have some people 
in the plane with him so that he could get hours flying other people or something like that, you know? And you, when you're trusting your life into somebody's hands, when you're trusting your life into someone that is now in charge of an airplane, all this guy ever did in my life was eat chips. I've only seen him eat chips. And now I don't have an actual picture of him, but this is kind of what he looked like. He kind of looked like that. So not pilot guy. You know, this is the guy that said, hey, I'm taking flying lessons. I really want to take you up into the air. And uh, for, okay, yeah, he had, and it's a plane like this size. I'll give you an example. I just compared this size to, there, there it is next to a bicycle, <laughs> a wagon, and a small puppy. So this is, this is a small, small plane. But Ben was a friend of mine. That was his name, uh, Ben. And so we decided, a friend of mine and I decided to, uh, he, he promised to buy us lunch. And so he, we had to drive to Grand Island to, to fly this thing. Uh, apparently nobody trusted him in Lincoln, so he was not able to fly anywhere near here. But we, he, he promised to buy us lunch, so we drove through McDonald's, which was the first sign that something was wrong. We ate, uh, I, had a, I had two Big Macs because I ate out of hunger and nervousness. And we get into this, this plane, and honest to goodness, you sit in there, and when the door shuts, it smacks you in the side of the head. It's such a small plane, you know, and you're sitting there like this, you know, the whole time. And you, you're looking out, and you're thinking, the car that we came in is twice this size, and it's on the ground. Why am I with this guy that looks like, you know, he shouldn't be flying planes? I wouldn't even trust him to be cleaning planes. But he's there, and he's look, walking around the plane and stuff. And he does this, you know, this checklist, you know, because he's, he's you know, doing the, he's getting his hours or whatever. He's not even an official pilot yet. That's the, you know, I mean, come on. It's, and so he's walking around the plane, and he's looking at stuff, you know. And I'm inside thinking, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's, he's walking around because he has no idea. It's like, is that the propeller? I think that's the propeller. And so he gets us all in there, you know, and we're all in there. And suddenly, you know, he starts to rev it up. And I, all I'm thinking to myself is, this is Ben. This is the guy that just ate chips in my house. He does, he does nothing, you know. He, he plays drums in a band. I mean, I, that he's not, he didn't even have a car until he was 23, you know, because nobody trusted him to drive on the ground. And now we're looking at this, runway, and I, all I could think about was, my life is in this guy's hands. And I thought, I never, I, I've known Ben for years, and I never thought I'd ever say that. And we are starting to take off. He, he just starts to go, and he starts to go a little bit faster, you know. And you are not sure if you're feeling the plane uh, take off because I, the things that I've flown in in the past, they've been, you know, big planes. They've been bigger than this building. That's what, you know, you, you, when it goes up, you just feel a little, oh, oh, you know, and that's about it. In this plane, you feel something that you should never feel. 
your body, you actually feel it taking off. I felt gravity in my butt. I mean, it was just my, my butt wanted to sit, and it was sitting, and it just took off, and the, you know, you're just there. And you're looking around, and you want reassurance, but all you can see is my friend Ben. The only thing that kept me sane was, I, you know, the confident is knowing that Ben was the only person that I knew that didn't have a mullet. And so I thought, well, you know, maybe he knows something. You know, I can trust him because he doesn't have a mullet. Um, I once actually had a mullet. Um, that's why, you know, God just said, hey, we don't trust you with hair. And we took off, and he starts to kind of tilt and do kind of this stuff. And I'm looking down, and I'm seeing the world in a way that I've never seen it before, even in a big plane, because in a big plane, you just kind of skyrocket, you know, you go off and you're up. But this is like you're close, and you can actually see people and things. And I find myself starting to calm down. And I, and I find myself trusting more this person that invited me to fly this plane. I, I, I found that I felt I was a friend of his, uh, but I felt pride. I felt proud of him. Not, not like a parent, but as a buddy. You know, this is a person that accomplished something, and I felt, I'm really, this is really impressive. He really did something wonderful. And I'm part of that, and I'm in, a, I'm in this little, you know, go-kart thing, and, and he's flying it, and we're looking, and it's just wonderful, and, I, and I'm filled with confidence, and I'm filled with confidence not in myself, I'm filled with confidence in my friend, because he is showing me that he knows what to do, and then he asked me, do you want to do a couple of touch-and-goes, and, <laughs> and I didn't know what that was, and <laughs> but I was filled with confidence, so I said yes. Touch and goes is when you practice landing and taking off at the same time. It's, yeah, it's not something you should do ever. But it's, it's where the plane comes in and they, he you know, goes down and then he just goes right back up. And then he circles around and he does it again. I threw up my Big Mac over the city of Grand Island. <laughs> but I still had faith in my friend. But I asked him to stop doing that. And so he... he landed, you know, and as I'm, you know, we get out and everything and we're walking around and I'm looking at this guy that, you know, I, I saw differently now. He was a different person altogether. He was a person that had accomplished something and I, I, I was able to put an entire trust of who I am in him, uh, a trust of my safety, trust of my life, and even trust in that moment of, of my joys, of being able to see things differently, of being able to look around and see things differently. And as I'm secretly trying to throw away the barf bag in the, the airport and the guys behind me looking at me like, I know what you're doing, you know. Um, by the way, McDonald's smells the same either way. But <laughs> There are times when we can put great trust in someone else. Sometimes we think of trust of a, of a parent and a child, the way that a child takes care of a parent. Uh, and when you first enter the world, your, your life is genuinely in their hands. But as we get older, sometimes we lose a little bit of that trust. Sometimes we, we, we don't have as much faith in other people as we would like to. And sometimes we're in situations where 
we are kind of forced to be in someone else's care. And it's a wonderful feeling when you can believe in someone else and trust them and it comes back to where uh, it, it all worked out wonderfully. You know, we're, we're talking about this uh, story with, uh, with Matthew, and thanks for reading that, by the way. Um, Jesus is, is he, he just got done preaching this, like, this big sermonette thing. Uh, they, they call it the Sermon on the Mound. Uh, it was just kind of a big sermon that he gave. And, and we've gone through that, and if you ever want to look back on any of the podcast or YouTube or anything like that, you can see that. And he's just got done kind of doing that, and he's walking among people, and people are curious and all this kind of stuff, and they're starting to follow him a little bit. And he sees a, a, a person with a, a skin condition, a leper. Uh, and leprosy back then was a number of different things. It wasn't just the leprosy that we, we talk about today. It was a skin condition. And back then, if you had this thing, you had to kind of stay away from people. It was a very contagious thing. And people looked at you differently. You were actually, um, in the Old Testament, it said to send them on the outskirts of town. So this is town. People are here. Jesus is coming from uh, preaching out in the field, and he's coming into town, and he sees this person with the ailment and the skin disease, and he is ostracized. He is not allowed into that town. If you do go anywhere near people at that time, it was the law that you actually had to yell, unclean, unclean. You had to pronounce to them that you were not worthy and that you were someone that they shouldn't hang around with or even touch or even talk to. And people would look at you weird. They would look at you not with a, a caring heart. They didn't look at you like, oh, that poor person. Back then, they would look at you like, what did he do that made God so angry, that God gave him this disease, that God gave him something? He actually must have caused this on his own. He must have brought this on himself. So the fact that he is ostracized and out of town, that's okay. Because his ailment is a sign of something underneath that he must have done. And we looked at that back then as permission to dislike somebody else. To dislike another human being. To actually, it was an excuse to say, you are less than. And we reveled on that. People love to actually that. We don't, I mean, sometimes we like it too, don't we? Sometimes we like to say, well, I'm better than they are. At least I'm not like that. That's why things like soap operas and reality shows are a multi-million dollar industry because we like to watch things and we can say, they're acting insane. I'm better than that. And that's what these guys were. They were providing a service of letting other people know that they were better than they were. And it was okay. Everybody was fine with that. Until Jesus comes and just disrupts and messes up everything because Jesus walks by and this person with this skin disease says, if you want to heal me, do it. And Jesus looks at the person and just says simply, I want to. And we always talk about this. This is where you see, you know, if you're watching a Jesus movie on TV or something, this is where they first do the special effects where they, they show Jesus touching the leper and they show the leper, you know, with all the things and stuff on his skin and everything like that. And then they cut away to Jesus' face so you don't see that they've just taken the makeup off the person and everything. And then they show the person again and he's looking great, you know, and he starts dancing, you know, and he's all happy and everything. 
that's not, we look at that as the miracle, but that's not the miracle. The miracle is not that he healed this person. The miracle is that he welcomed this person in front of everybody. He had this person that was ostracized, judged, and condemned to be a person that had obviously done something to make God angry. And Jesus is saying, that's not, that's not the case. This is a person that I care for so much that by healing this person, they're now welcomed in. That's the miracle is that Jesus in front of everybody is turning the tables on the traditions that we have of wanting to dislike somebody else. So much so that he says, don't, don't mention anything about the healing stuff. Just go to the priest and, and pay. They had this thing where if you were uh, miraculously healed or something like that, that you gave a token to the temple, basically. And he's saying, go and show them. Show them that you now belong. Show them that you are part of this. That temple that you are no longer ever able to be around, is that a plane? Somebody is mocking me out there. It's probably my friend Ben. He's going for smokes right now. The temple was something that he could never even be around. And Jesus is saying, go up to it. Because that's yours just as much as it is mine. Be a part of this. And people are seeing this and they're starting to think, okay, that's different. Do, do I want to follow that? Do you really want to follow? We love to say we follow Jesus. We love to say we follow Jesus, and then we like to say we follow Jesus, and therefore it makes us better than those guys. But we're following somebody that says, don't say that because you're following me. I'm saying they are loved. They are important. They matter. They are welcomed here. They are invited. They are part of it. And then he really messes it up. Because as he moves on, a centurion comes. Centurions were the soldiers of the day. They were the, the bad guys. If, uh, if you're watching uh, Star Wars, they'd be like the uh, stormtroopers. I'm a Star Trek guy. Star Trek is much more intelligent, so I like to... <laughs> What's that? Stormtrooper in Star Trek? Uh, Romulan. Klingon, thank you. Boy, the nerd level in this room just raised, and I, I feel so at home here now. This is wonderful. This centurion comes in, and you could just, you, can, you could sense the tension around Jesus at this time because people are following Jesus but they just saw that leper thing and now they're just kind of uncertain and, and then the centurion comes the first thing that they're thinking is that this guy's going to uproot something he's either going to arrest Jesus or he's going to push someone around or, or something like that he's he's not there for good things and so you could see just kind of sense the people that are just kind of backing up and thinking oh there's something going on you know it's kind of like when you're having a party and the cops get called um Anybody ever had that happen to them before? Is it just me? No? Good. You're keeping that level, volume level at a good uh, distance there. That's, but I've, I've, that's happened where they've come and told us to turn the music down or something like that. They've had that authority to where you're having a, a great time and that knock on the door and there's that person uh, in the uniform saying, cut it out, and it just kind of kills the whole mood of the party. 
That's what was happening around Jesus at this time. They were expecting this centurion to say something. But instead, the centurion comes up to Jesus and he says, I have a servant that is, that is dying. And I know that you could heal that, my, my servant. And Jesus said, lead the way. And the servant says, no, I, I'm not worthy to have you come into my home. This is a person of authority. This is a person that is, people are scared of. And he's actually saying, I don't deserve to have you at my place. Homeless Jesus walking around in sandals. This guy, he's got all the things there. He's got cable in his house. He's got a nice couch. He's got all that kind of stuff. And he's saying, I don't deserve to have you, Jesus, here. But I know, because I have the authority, I know that if I tell my soldiers to march, they march. If I tell those that work for me to to clean up the house, they clean up the house. I know that if you say that my servant is healed, they'll be healed. Just say the word. And Jesus stops for a second. And he says, you know what? And he's talking to the people around him. Never have I seen somebody with such faith. Now, one of the things that we, we want to create here for you is when people were following Jesus, there were people that were following Jesus that were um, curious. Some of them might have been from other faiths, but the people that were following him closely at this time were Israelites. Israelites uh, felt that they were um, God's chosen because in the uh, Old Testament it says that they were God's chosen. Uh, what God was saying back then is that, is that you're chosen to spread that message. But some people, just like Christians today, feel like we're God's chosen. And so, uh, you know, I'm special. I can do this. You know, you're bad, you're bad, you're bad. I'm not because I'm chosen. And they dance like this. They really do. <laughs> if you're ever in a church and they dance like this, get out. <laughs> Probably going to pull out a snake or something. It's going to be weird. Jesus knows the people that are around him, and he knows that there are people that think that they are in just because of uh, their nationality or their, the place that they were born. And he knows that they're looking at this centurion. Centurions uh, were feared, but they were also really disliked. You know? I mean, you can be afraid of something, but they hated these guys. They, they, not only were they uh, authoritarian, not only were they vicious at times, not only were they warmongering, not only were they mean, but they were also not of their nationality. You've got the Israelites, chosen people of God. You've got the Roman people, pagans, not of our faith. They're, they're not of our people. They, they, don't, they don't belong to us. We, when it comes to religion, we have the authority. We know what we're doing. Just like what Christians say today. We know the way. And Jesus knows that this is going on in the time that he's looking at this centurion. And he says, never have I witnessed somebody with such faith. And he says, there will be people coming from the east and the west that will eat with Abraham before people around here will. In other words, Abraham was the father of the Israelite community and his father of the faith and all of this kind of stuff. And he's saying, there'll be outsiders at that table. 
There'll be so many outsiders at that table. It'll boggle your mind. And I'm not talking just about the, the person with the ailment that was kicked out. I'm also talking about that person that you despise and fear. Because love is something that actually connects people. It's something that brings us together. It's something that takes something of authority and fear and something that is cruel and it can actually make it a symbol of peace. And that's what Jesus is doing here. He is really starting to rock the boat. He's given his little sermon about the, the, the Beatitudes and blessed are this and blessed are that, but now he's putting it into action and he's letting people say that, see and witness that loving God means loving them as well. It means I bring them in. It means the door is open. And even somebody like a centurion who you despise, I am healing. And so sometimes today when we walk around and we, we see all the messaging of, uh, of Christianity and stuff, and it's not sometimes paired with really good news. It's usually Christians protested this, or Christians went out and they kicked this person out, or Christians went out and they are saying these awful, awful things, or the line on the social media of all the negative comments are done by people that are saying they're doing it in Jesus' name, and Jesus is saying, stop it. I healed that guy, and I, I, I healed that. Don't you see what I'm doing? Don't you see what I'm doing? Outsiders are coming in. And I'm telling you, they'll be sitting at the table. They're not just welcome in the door. They're not welcome to servants. They are sitting at the table. That's what this is all about. That's what this faith is all about. So when we call ourselves Christians, disciples, whatever you want to call it, Jesus followers, are we living that out? Are we truly following the message of Christ by loving people, by seeing someone that is ostracized and not welcomed and saying, I'll, I'll welcome you. Are, are we seeing people that are around us that we may fear because they're different? We may see that they are not part of my inner circle. Are, are we extending an olive branch to have a conversation, to hear another person's story. If this centurion walked in and they just all scattered and never heard about it, they would not hear his story. They would just assume that this is what he was feeling instead of actually listening to what he had to say. Are we, are we doing that? And if we're not, Why? It all boils down to faith. If we truly have faith in the love of Christ, the love of Christ, then we know that that love prevails over everything else. We know that that love is the answer to everything. We know that outside of our comforts, outside of our fears, that love connects us to one another. We know that that love brings us together. Love will keep us together. Captain and Tennille. Yeah. <laughs> Suddenly, the, the nerd in the room just got more hip, didn't he? 
if we have the faith, truly, then we have to look at the things that Jesus said and the things that Jesus did, and we have to embrace that, and we have to do our best to emulate that. When we walk out there today, I pray, I pray that we take the love with us. If you have a message here, if you heard anything here, I pray that that's it. It's love. It's not us versus them. It's not that's a threat to my faith. It's not that's a threat to me. It's not we're more special than them. It's just love. And if we can take that outside, we might see the world just a little bit differently if we have the faith. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, loving others is a difficult thing. It's, it's hard to, to drop barriers and walls, and it's, it's hard not to fear. It's, but help us to understand that every one of us at times feels like we're on the outside. Every one of us feels at times that we're not worthy. Help us see what you did. Help us see what you're doing. And help us to love you, to love ourselves the way that you love us, and to love our neighbor as we would want to be loved. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Every single one of us came from different stories in life. We came from different backgrounds. We are different people. We are individuals. And we come together and we share those stories. We hear about each other and we find a common ground. May we do that out there. Remember, love God, love yourself, and love your neighbor.